Welcome to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast, where we discuss all things mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. To get more information and resources, visit the website at therapyforblackgirls.com. And while I hope you love listening to and learning from the podcast, it is not meant to be a substitute for a relationship with a licensed mental health professional. Hey, y'all. Thanks so much for joining me for session 13 of the Therapy for Black Girls podcast. Today in our No Copay Needed segment, I'm joined by special guest therapist Renelle Nelson to talk about recovering after an affair. Renelle is a licensed marriage and family therapist and an ASEC certified sex therapist. She has been providing therapy for over 11 years. Renelle is also a certified infidelity recovery therapist. She's passionate about helping couples get through the long-term impact of affairs, which includes potential divorce and its overall impact on a societal level. As a trained infidelity recovery specialist, her role is to guide couples through this painful time. Through coaching, directing, and education, she leads couples through uncertainty and fear to hope and strength. Rennell and I talked a lot about the seven different types of affairs. We also discussed the hard work that's involved in recovering from affairs and also why it's important to talk about attractions to other people even before an affair happens in your relationship. So I definitely hope this will be useful if you need it. Make sure to share your feedback with us on social media using the hashtag TBG in session. So thank you so much for joining us today, Renelle. I'm super excited to have you on the podcast. So excited to be here. Thank you. So share with us what you do. I am a licensed marriage and family therapist who specializes in sexual issues and infidelity. Okay, so that's really what I wanted us to get together to talk about today. Um, so can you kind of give us like your working definition of infidelity? My working definition of infidelity is one of the partners have sex outside of the union. Okay. So that's what um, this working definition. I know it's a lot. People talk to me about uh, um, emotional affairs, uh, affairs that's happened on um, social media, but um, for the purpose of infidelity that I talk about, I talk about sexual relationships outside of the marriage. Okay. So, I mean, yeah, so we'll use that working definition, but I do think we may want to kind of touch on what's happening with like social media because I hadn't thought about that, but I think that that probably is something that's important to discuss. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So, so one of the things that I was most curious about and really excited to hear about related to your work is um, what are some of the factors and things that come up that will maybe influence one partner to make them decide whether they're going to try and work on the relationship again or whether they're going to call it quits after an affair? Okay. So we know with anything, it's um, individual choice. So what I do is talk to the parties. Basically, when they come see me, they kind of know either they're going to work on it or this is the last go around. 
one thing what I try to do in my position is to not choose who's right or wrong, but what's right. So what we do is we go through all the processes and my ultimate goal is to give them the education they need to make the decision if they want to stay. But if they choose to uncouple, they have enough information so they can heal successfully because that's a really big part of it, of whole thing about the affair. If we're going to stay together and heal, but if we decide to uncouple, I need to know what I need to do to heal also and to move on. So that's what I try to do. And that's why I always say shine a light on infidelity. So what kinds of things need to happen to repair a relationship and to begin to heal after an affair? One of the major things is communication. Another thing is we have to to be open, not just communicate, because a lot of people say, oh, communication, what does that mean? I mean, honest communication. Um, We need to also discuss about what's going to happen next. The infidel, for it to be successful, has to be in agreement and has to have, I don't want to say remorseful, but to make it work, it has to be some kind of remorse about the situation. So that's a lot of the big factors is to be remorseful. Okay, so you use the word that I'm not sure everybody may be familiar with. So infidel, is that the person who actually um, oh. stepped outside of the marriage? Yes, it's okay. the, I'm sorry. It's, it's, the okay. infidel, it's the infidel we had the betrayed partner because it's not really, I'm not gender biased. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I want to let everybody know is that women are up there with having just among a, a lot of affairs as men. So it's not, it used to be um, men have more affairs. Well, women are kind of catching up. So I don't like to be in with same sex marriages and stuff of that part. I really don't like to be gender biased. So I usually use infidel or the betrayed partner. It can be anybody. Got you. Got you. So do you see any differences Um if, you know, like depending on who is the one who has had the affair in the relationship? Differences like what? Like in terms of healing or like differences in what the process looks like after, you know, they're trying to work on the relationship. Yeah, with men, it's a pride. It's a pride issue. Um, where women usually step out of them, their pride is just shattered because um, it, they, they can't understand how you could do this. And it was more of um, what other people are going to think, you know, that you did this to me. How can you do this to me? Even if it's, it's just emotional or social media, they just can't get past that. But usually they work through it. But they, the one thing is there is bit as pride. It's more of shame mm-hmm. uh, and more blame. Women, I see, tend to go enter and blame themselves and then project a lot of anger because they don't understand. Women try to understand a lot more than men. Got you. Got you. Okay. Okay. So what are your thoughts about this? Um, So I've often heard that um, in order for the relationship to really heal, that the person that who has had the affair needs to kind of be open and willing to answer any question that the um, betrayed partner has. What are your thoughts about like the amount of detail that the betrayed partner might actually want to have? Because I think a lot of times you think you want a lot of information um, and sometimes that can be really harmful. So what are your thoughts about that? That's a perfect question. 
And I'm going to say this. It depends on the situation. Everybody is different. One part of my seven-step recovery method is the affair story. That is when the infidel tells the betrayed partner um, what happened in the affair. The uh, betrayed partner has a right to ask honest questions about what happened in the affair and the infidel answer it because that stops speculation. Because one thing about affairs, we make affairs glamorous in our head and that's not really what happened. And sometimes the betrayed partner is fixated on a story. And until they get the missing pieces, they can't, they, they just can't move past it. So we set up a situation where the infidel can tell the betrayed partner what happened. But like you know, it comes with some caution. And that's why it helps to have a mediator mm-hmm. and in a safe um, place because then you have a lot of issues that you have to do. If um, violence, you know, uh, you know, name kind of just getting out of hand. So it comes with a lot of caution, but you are right to fully heal that the betrayed partner does want to know what happened and especially not so much of the sexual acts but just really want to know was it protected mm-hmm, mm-hmm. okay and do you see a difference in the recovery if it was like a one-time kind of one-night stand kind of thing versus somebody having like a significant relationship with this other person yes so um I don't know if I can, we got time to go into this, but I, it's seven types of affairs. Oh, I'd love to hear you know, that. Okay. So it's uh, seven types of affairs. We have the accidental affair. Yes, I said accidental. <laughs> what is the, that? The accidental affair, if you kind of think of it as an accident, neither one of you were preparing for this to happen. Uh, it comes across like uh, uh, long business meetings. Um boundaries being crossed that shouldn't have it wasn't it was spontaneous it wasn't planned like we are going to be together tomorrow it wasn't planned it just happened alcohol is usually involved um so that's what we consider an accident affair it's not believe me i want to let everybody know it's not an excuse we're just saying it's an accidental affair um the other affair is an intimacy versus conflict avoidance And those affairs are when uh, to avoid something in your marriage, you don't do it. So you to avoid intimacy, you might not be intimate with your partner to avoid the conflict. But then you intimate with somebody else because it's less conflict. Then conflict avoidance is just say you the perfect husband. Yes, no, maybe so, because you don't want any conflict in your marriage. But in the relationship the um, affair, you have a voice. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, it you does. Know, okay. okay, and the third one is like a philanderer. We know what a philanderer is. It's just that it has nothing, affairs has nothing to do with the um, portrayed person. It's just them. They have to feel the need for others to need them. Usually these are the playboys that they used to call them. These are like, I don't even want to put a lot of stuff on athletes. These just like our men that they love their wife. They don't have anything to do with their wives or the women. They love their husband, but they just love to have have sex with other people. It has nothing to do with, you know, marriage or vows. That's just theirs. They're philanderers. They take care of their wife, their husband, they love them, but that's what they do. Okay. Okay. The um, entitlement affair, we, um, I don't want to keep putting that on 
um, athletes, but this is what we use is when you have a lot of money, a lot of status, a lot of clout, some people think of us like people in uniform or uh, high economic, like I'm still going to say, mm, I got so many people that I see. I'm trying not to generalize, but it's hard. Right. It's usually somebody with um, who society have higher standards for, and they entitled. Mm. I can do all this. I'm entitled to have this. Mm-hmm. We see this play out so much in the media. Um, one of the things is that we talk about even royalty. I I can have this. I'm entitled to this. I can have a wife, and I can have a mistress. Okay, you know. That's entitlement. Um, the split self affair is really what it is. If you just think of it as at home, I'm this way. But when I'm with my uh, having an affair, I'm another way. We look at take it like, say, the housewife who take care of her husband, don't have a voice. But when she's having an affair, she like BDSM. She likes to she voice. She can do this. It's like a whole different person she is. Okay. Or just like the husband, because um, who is really, because um, husbands do get abused, don't have a voice at home, don't have a position at home, don't have anything going for at home, but they get in an affair where they're the man. They get in an affair, they, they have an affair with somebody, they're the man, they think the most high of them. Um, it's just really a split self. They're two different people. Okay. As you hear, like double lives. Um, the sixth one is the exit affair and an exodus affair. And I have some of those where the person just wants to get caught, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. they're, they're on their way out anyway. They mm-hmm. don't care. Mm-hmm. And then, but the person, the person wants to, the other uh, betrayed partner want to work it out. The other person just wants to, you know, it's over. I knew you was going to find out, you know, let's just end it. So they just have an affair. So it's kind of like uh, when people say, you got one foot out the door. So mm-hmm. it's really, you got one foot out the door. So you just have an affair and that's what it is. It's on the exit. It's on your way out. Okay. Um, the, the last one is really the sexual addiction affair. This is the affair that um, getting a lot of information, a lot of research about. In fact, as you know, if we kind of wonder if sex is a can you be addicted to sex or is it just an impulse disorder well sexual addiction affair is a person who just um is in a marriage but has sex outside their marriage without consent (laughs) i'm gonna say without consent from their partner okay it's nothing more than that they just have sex outside of their marriage okay I, i never knew that there were seven different types of affairs and with those seven different types, it's seven different types of recovery. It's seven different. It's a lot of stuff that you can look at. And recovery is different from all of them. Mm, okay. Okay. So if you if you could guess, or maybe like just in your practice, is there a type or one or two types that you see the most, most commonly? Probably um, the intimacy avoidance affair of people who don't really feel that they can talk to their partner and go outside and get what they need. Um, Accidental affairs. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I would imagine, I mean, and this is definitely not my area of expertise, but um, I would imagine that maybe the accidental affairs are the hardest to maybe um, have a recovery from because, you know, I think with uh, the avoidant ones, you can kind of go back and do some work around, okay, what was missing in the marriage and how do we kind of make it stronger? But if it was like an accident, like this just kind of happened, you know, it feels like, okay, well, how would you be able to prevent that from happening again. And I'm glad you talk about that because that's what we talk about. That's my goal and my mission is to shine a light on infidelity. We cannot assume monogamy. We need to discuss what happened if you are attracted to somebody else. How are you going to know when to stop? It's okay to be attracted to somebody else. Let's talk about it. We don't talk about it and we assume. You can't fight monogamy with a promise. You can't fight it with vows. You can only do prevention is about talking about it. And that's one thing we don't do. So let me, so let me just be clear. So you propose that couples um, kind of put this on the table even before this becomes an issue. So like after the affair has happened, it's really kind of too late to start the discussion. You are saying it should be a part of conversation like even before anything ever happens. Yes, I think that um, preventative can happen before, but far as when the couple choose to reconnect, we need to start having a conversation. Because one thing is nobody is immune to affairs. You don't, bad people don't have affairs. You don't have to have a bad marriage to have an affair. You know, it's just a lot of aspects that come into the affair. You know, people, some people are put towards affairs. Some people are pushed towards affairs, and then society plays a big role in affairs. It's so many dynamics to affair that these are the things we need to talk about. Mm -hmm. And we're not talking about them. We're not talking about them to afterwards. We think that because somebody say that they love us, that they won't have affection towards nobody else because we're not talking about it. And I'm not saying, and another thing um, with the person who commits the affair when I start talk about societal values, society and community to me, what I'm talking about is how did you learn, first learn about infidelity? How was infidelity portrayed in your family or in your community? Because that means a lot. Because that kind of shapes how you feel about it. Now, to have an affair is a choice. Please believe me. It's a choice. Because you have everything you need, but you have to make a choice to do that. Mm-hmm. So I don't want everybody to say, well, she act like it, it just happened. No, no, no. It just <laughs> don't happen. Right. It's a choice. You do have a choice. You do have some control, but it helps with communication. Mm-hmm. So I do want to go back to, um, well, a couple of different things. So first I want to hear, and I'm not sure if I missed this, you broke up a little bit earlier in the conversation. Um, did you oh. outline what the seven steps were in terms of recovery? Did you say that? No. Okay, so can you share that with us? Okay. The seven steps, um, the first is like, you know, you do the uh, the intake. Um, we have like uh, really talking about what our goals are, what we want to do, and we call like that the commitment stage. You know, recommitting, you know, making our rules. The um, second step is like the affair story. Mm-hmm. So um, where first, the affair step is really making sure the affair is over, too. Mm-hmm. We have to make sure that the affair is over. Okay. So that's one thing is 
that's the biggest thing. And see, I have a no secrets policy. Mm-hmm. So I don't keep secrets. So you can't come until you know that do not you have to be willing to end the affair. And so the first thing is like the commitment. And we even write a, a letter to the affair partner, letting them know that I have to end it. Okay. And, you so know, some people. Is this a letter that would actually be given to the person? It's up to the couple because okay. right now the seven step is something that uh, we do together. Okay. The seven step, something we do together so many times, you know, cause we trying to take the secret out of it. Mm-hmm. We got to take the secrecy out of it. So we're going to do these steps together. So that's why when we make the, um, when we make the commitment, we make the commitment to each other. We're going to choose. Do we want to, Tell the uh, third party that it's over. Are you, some people choose not to write it. Some people choose to write it. And re- some people choose to even meet. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So you facilitated yeah. like meetings like that? No. Oh, okay. That, I heard, no, I don't facilitate the third party meetings, but <laughs> okay. I really help with, I, that comes with strong caution. Mm-hmm. But some people, sometimes stuff, a lot of stuff happened outside of therapy yeah. and they just let you know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. They just, they just let you know, oh, by the way, we met with so-and-so. I'll be like, what? You know? <laughs> so, okay. so then we, so then we do the affair story and that's, um, that's when we talk about really what happened at fair, um, preparing for the disclosure, um, Talking, setting up the apology, you know, really being authentic, not just and really, really not being remorseful for getting caught, but really talk about the pain and hurt. So we really get deep in that. So that's really learning a fair story. And we kind of have things that we talk about that need to uh, be discussed because the betrayed partners have all these like a mini movie because it's PTSD. So, um, and that's a lot of people don't understand that finding out about um, an affair and being a victim of affair is, is kind of comparable to uh, trauma. They experience PTSD. They have flashbacks. They have everything. So what the fair story is trying to do is put all those pieces together so they can move on to the next step. Got you. Okay. So that's the um, affair story. And then we talk about uh, personal healing. We talk about um, emotions, obsessions, how to manage emotions, to the um, unfaithful partner, um, really just trying to heal personally mm-hmm. together. I know it sounds crazy, but yeah, personally, but together with the support of each other. Because remember, first we didn't, we had this um, separated life, but now we're going to do everything together because this is the recommitment to the marriage. Okay. okay? And then one thing that I know is hard, but I'm a sex therapist and this is one of my part, even though the step, the step four is sex and intimacy. I know who you don't even like this person. You very don't want to have sex. So what we do is still from the beginning, we try to have intimacy, not necessarily um, sex, but even touching, cuddling, 
or something, even sitting next to each other or holding hands, you have to start building that intimate bond to see that um, we're secure and grounding each other and we're going to work through this each other. Eventually, it might end up in sex, but we need some kind of intimate touch to make sure that we're on the right path. Some women can go full-fledged and just start having more sexual um, activities. Others need a little bit more time. But from the first thing we really say, even though if you choose not to, we need to form intimacy because we're working on this together. So to work on something together, we can have to do something that we never done. And that's when we talk about sex-starved marriages. We just talk about um, setting up um, sex. And when I say sex, it's all different aspects of sex. I just don't mean intercourse. Mm-hmm. Okay. We, um, we have physical connection. Um, ugh. Five is emotional needs. This is when we really talk about what actually emotionally do we need. Because as you know, couples, we don't talk. We don't talk. We assume. Mm. And we don't talk because what might uh we liked when we were this point in our lives, it might not work in this point in our life. We don't know. We age daily. Things change. So we have to really, and this is where I um put in checkpoints. We set up schedule, weekly check-ins, how I'm doing, how you feeling, really trying to get that emotional bond and really trying to secure that um, emotional, that emotional need. We do a needs assessment where um, we talk about, we do one person do it and another person do it and not only talk about the needs, but how would you like me to give it to you? Because it's easy to say, I want you to love me more. But what does that look like? Right, right. Right. And then step six is forgiveness. Um, This is where we talk about genuine forgiveness. We talk about what you need to forgive, um, steps to forgive, and are we ready to forgive? And then seven is just moving forward. So that means we just taking everything that we talked about and how can we move forward. We talk about relapse prevention, you know, and we even talk about if we're going to uncouple. One thing about the seven-step program, it's giving you information. If you choose to recommit, you can, but if you don't, you have all the information that you need to move forward. Because like I love to tell people, just because you leave the situation, the trauma is still there. So just because you leave the situation doesn't mean it's going to make it better. Because as we all know, you carry that baggage with you. Mm-hmm. So if you don't heal properly, if you don't heal properly, you're just going to take those lack of expectations or high expectations or low confidence to the next um, relationship and just start all over again. So is this work always done like you're I'm trying to get an idea of like what your sessions look like. Is it always that you're meeting with both of the parties or do you do some individual sessions as well? One thing is I try to meet uh once we have the thing to recommit, I usually have an individual session with each party, but the rest of the sessions are done together. Uh, if somebody like if somebody's stuck at a stage, I usually refer out. This is more coaching than therapy. Okay. If somebody just like say in a forgiveness, just say you have you stuck on forgiveness. It may be some internal factors that happen in your life that you just can't forgive. 
So I refer out to work with an individual therapist to work with them on forgiveness. So when they come back, we had a better um, way to work for how it looks for the couple. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. So, and that's one thing I got to make sure the seven step program is a coaching. It's a coaching. So it's not therapy. I really don't go in to do therapy. I refer out to therapists for this one. Okay. Okay. Got you. Got you. So how long, you know, on average, and I know this probably looks different for a lot of couples, but on average, like how long do the seven steps take to, to work through? The seven step program is a, a commitment of 90 days. Okay. Um, but it can take longer than that because sometimes we have to stay longer. Um, just say we might spend uh, a great amount of time on a fair story, mm-hmm. you know, because getting it all, you know, stopping, getting it through, but we got to push through it. But we might spend a lot of time on sex and intimacy, okay. you know, so it's a 90 day program and it's follow up. You know, just like with anything, um, you just don't learn something and just say, oh, I learned and now no, it's, it's following up, follow up, it's maintenance. You have to check in with each other. Some I offer, you check in with me. We see how everything going. Relapse prevention. What's going on? Are you utilizing the things we talked about? Okay. The work is really done outside the session. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely sounds like a lot of work as I hear you talk about it, which, you it's know, I mean, if you're, if you're trying to rebuild your marriage, then, you know, that will take a lot of effort and hard work for sure. It is. Yeah, yeah. So what are your thoughts around, um, you mentioned like the letter that would maybe need to be written to the um, affair partner. Um, but what are your thoughts about like, does um, the connection needs to be dissolved completely. Like, let's say they had an affair with a coworker. Is the suggestion then that they need to find a new job? Like, can there be no contact? Or what are your thoughts about that? It depends on if it's a sexual relationship with a job and at the job, and it interferes with the healing. It's they have to come together and feel like maybe that you should leave. It's a it's a together. We're together. So if they both agree that this is not going to work. They need to agree to move on to another job. Some things can't be, oh, we, I got stories about the third party too, but um, <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole nother show. Mm-hmm. And I know I sound like I'm repeating myself, but I just want to say anything you, they choose is together. Mm-hmm. So it's a choice that they make together. If they feel like the um, infidel feels like they can continue to work, Without any drama, everything is dissolved, fine. If they feel like it's not going to be in temptation, but that's where honesty comes through. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't feel like I can honestly go to work after I did this, 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 this. Look at her, look at my coworker, look at him, look at my coworkers. I think I need to go somewhere else. This is when we really had an intake session. This is when we really get to the root of stuff. Are you remorseful? Are you ready to change? Are you willing to? Um, reconnect and fight for your marriage. These are the things that happen. And this will also, the factors that influence if the affair, um, if the, to stay or to leave. So these are a lot of factors that influence that too. Okay. So really in this intake session, you're getting a lot of information that will let you know whether you even can move on to these next six steps. Yeah, because that's, that's the one we see. I see the commitment. 
Mm-hmm. You know how you can, I set up the environment. I can see the reluctance. I can see the commitment. I can see, um, you can just see it. Mm-hmm. And I just let them know it's no reason to uh, waste any other time. And sometimes I send them off for individual to get their, what they want to do together before they come back in couple. Cause sometimes you can't work on we without working on me, mm-hmm. you know, cause sometimes in different, um, of, affairs, we get married sometimes to to heal from something else. So the, an affair happens in the midst of all this chaos. Mm-hmm. So I'm not healed. I'm not a whole person. This affair just brought in the light, something that I've been struggling with all the time. Got you, got you. You know, Okay. And affairs just don't mean divorce. You know, mm-hmm. people stay together after affairs and and let the record show that some affairs, I know it's hard to believe, bring people closer together. Yeah, I, I definitely have often heard that, that, you know, relationships can be much stronger because I think, you know, all of this open and honest communication that wasn't present before, now there's kind of like a, a breeding ground of that and you kind of carry that throughout the rest of the relationship. Yeah, and get consent. I mean, you don't assume monogamy. You talk about it. So sometimes you ask, you know, we, I love you, you love me, but do you want to have an open marriage? Mm-hmm. Do you think I fulfill you? I mean, this is when we have honest communication and just be open. You be open to giving and open to receiving. It's a shared space. And so many people are scared of that. So I said, if you're so scared, why are you even married to this person? How can you be married to somebody you can't talk to? Mm -hmm. Okay. So I do want to go back to the whole role of social media um, because I would would imagine that that has, um, you know, I mean, in, people have always had affairs, right? I mean, that's not new. But I do think with the advent of social media and how easy it is for us to connect with people around the world, um, it has added, you know, like these different uh, complexities to, you know, the ability or the ease at which you might have an affair. Um, So how do you see social media kind of playing a role in some of the work that you do? Social media um, is what you make it. Um, it comes with how you use it, how to utilize it. What are you getting from it? Uh, social media is a way sometimes when we talk about the split sales, you know, social media is something that you can live and that's not even you. Mm-hmm. So just say if you have an affair and you don't have this voice, you can recreate yourself on the Internet. You can live like somebody else. You only show people snippets of your life. So it's another point that something is else is internally you're fighting with something and it just leads to a fair affair is opportunity. You know, you don't think of be getting about getting caught and stuff. Affairs opportunity has social media open up for affair. Yes. I mean, but then we got to ask ourselves about I hear people who got shared social media's accounts, you know, they, um, they want to be on, they want to know each other, but then, then we had the trust issue, you know, everything. So we had to really look at the communication and stuff in the relationship. I just think uh, if you are in a relationship that social media is not going to make you do anything. Mm-hmm. 
I think that um, the door is already open. Like they say, the door is already open for anything. And that's when you really need to have an honest communication and why are you even doing it? So what are your thoughts about, um, you know, because I, I often see too, um, like people who want to then be able to check their partner's um, text messages all the time and want to be able to go through and all of that. Like where does that or what are the guidelines around that if we are going to be um, healing and working towards recommitting in our marriage? Again, you do what works best for you. I know some people who don't even choose not to even have internet on their phone. Okay. Um, and who remove social media accounts because their commitment is to their spouse. Mm-hmm. And then they do want, because they don't want any doubt. But um, again, I ask, we, we talk about trust issues. We talk about forgiving. And I always ask the person, if you look for something, you're going to find it. So what's the boundaries? Like you said, so we look at, okay, social media. Okay, one thing about it for recommitting is recontracting. So you have a social media contract. It sounds elementary, but it's in black and white, right? Mm -hmm. Can I like other people's pictures? Can I befriend these people? What's off limits? Instead of waiting for it to happen, let's talk about it. Can I comment on somebody that they got a nice butt or they look good today? You know, Mm -hmm. what's crossing the boundaries is, again, is communicating about it and recontracting. That's what's so great about love and everything. People think that you can just say one thing in the last, but no, you can always recontract recontract. If you want to know something and you don't understand, let's sit down and discuss it. I can't tell you what's wrong if we didn't discuss it. Well, I don't like you doing that. I don't like how that makes our marriage look bad. People see you out. Let's talk about it. Yeah. So that brings me to another question around, um, you know, like I think sometimes people might decide to actually work on their marriage again after infidelity. But I do think that um, the community and like maybe your friend circle and your worries about, you know, like what other people are going to say can impact your decision about whether you're going to try to work on it again. Um, So what would you say to um, like support circles? Like how can they be supportive to um, like a couple who's continuing to work on their marriage after infidelity? I think that if, oh my goodness, I got so much to say about that. Um, You need to surround yourself with people who have your best interests in mind. Okay. Some people might think you're, you shouldn't go back Some people think you should work on your marriage. If you choose to go back, I'm not saying that you should uh, leave the people who said you shouldn't go back, but you should have an open dialogue with them that I really understand how you feel, but I want to get back into my relationship. And I hope and I wish that you support me on this. You know, really making that um, a statement and really showing other people that you're going to be for, um, for your marriage and really uniformity. Because that's what happens so much that when people come in for affairs, believe it or not, they so worried about who knows. Mm-hmm. That's one of the biggest thing is shame. How could you do this to me? Mm-hmm. How could you do this to us? You know, uh, what are people going to think? And they shame and then they start to blame, mm-hmm. you know. So that's the biggest thing to find out about affair is more traumatic than affair, believe it or not. 
Yeah, yeah. So you would propose that they have a conversation with their friend groups about, you know, asking them for the support. A, I ask them for support. And if they don't, you, I don't think you should really um, fire them, but choose, just choose when to expand your horizons. Mm-hmm. Because that's, and one thing is, I don't talk about what's right or wrong. Who right or wrong? I talk about what's right or wrong. And one thing that we talk about is the affair is so bigger than me and you. Mm-hmm. Society has a big, plays a major role in affairs. And when I tell people that, they just look at me. I say, it does. When is the first time you, you know about affairs? How did you learn about affairs? You know, how was affairs portrayed in your partner? Your family, I mean, because our experience becomes our expectations. That's why we need to talk about it and look at how society, I mean, to be a mistress is glamorized, mm-hmm. you know, and to be a mistress is glamorized and everything. And I mean, they just got so many perks. So you think till you really talk to a mistress, mm-hmm. you know, so I think really society has an, and to talk about that, to talk about, you know, how do you feel about um, how affairs are? How do your friends support it? We don't talk about infidelity. Infidelity is done in secret. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like a secret society. So if we shine a light on it. Maybe it won't be so fun anymore. <laughs> yeah, right, right. If we start talking about it, maybe it's not as well all people. When you start hearing some of these affair stories, they're not really glamorous. Mm-hmm. They're right, they're really not. But we got to talk about it to hear it. Excellent. Excellent advice. So what resources would you offer to people who are maybe struggling with this or, you know, like need some more information about um, like, do they want to continue to work on their marriage after finding out about an affair? One thing is before you look at any resources, I would just say um, do an internal check in with yourself. Really look and see what how you feeling. Um, Really a pro and con list really looking at the relationship. How was the relationship even before the affair? You know, really thinking about, and yes, I'm going to say it, really thinking about how did you contribute to the affair? I know this is a (laughs) session that I know I tell people that and they look at me and I say, yeah, I'm going to ask you. Mm-hmm. I'm going to ask everybody because I want to do that good, big, internal thought because contrary to people believe, some people know about an affair. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when they withhold, they know that they know about it. Mm-hmm. It's only when other people find out about it that they got a problem. <laughs> <laughs> so I say do an internal check-in with yourself. And then when you feel like you grounded and you know what you need, um, Infidelity uh, Recovery Institute has a lot of good articles. It's a lot of great blogs out there. Um, And then to determine, uh, we have uh, Infidelity Recovery Institute has a quiz. I'm going to have an affair. Affair Aftercare is my website. I'm going to have a quiz. It will tell you the types of affair and what's the healing process look like. Um, really see what you want to do. Talk to your partner. Is your partner remorseful? Decide if you really want to go on with the marriage. If you do, 
getting the tools to move on. And if you decide to uncouple, also get the tools to make it successful. Perfect. Perfect. And all of this will be included in the show notes so that people can find it really easily. So can you give us your website and where people can find you on social media? Okay. My website is Kaleidoscope Services, LLC.org. I am on Facebook as Renell Nelson, Kaleidoscope Services with Renell Nelson. I am on Instagram as Noir, no E, sex therapist. Um, I also just, because I'm so in my mission to talk about infidelity, that I, I have another website called um, Affair Aftercare. That's in the process of being put together where I'm going to have all the resources, um, support groups and all that at Affair Aftercare and Instagram at the same name at Affair Aftercare. Okay, perfect. I'm definitely looking forward to seeing more of those resources. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Renell. I really appreciate you having this conversation and sharing so much information with us. Yes, I enjoy it anytime, anytime. Thank you. So I hope that you can appreciate all of the great information that Renell shared with us and all of the resources that she mentioned will be included on the show notes. You can find those at therapyforblackgirls.com slash session 13. And please make sure to give us your feedback about the episode. Hashtag using TBG in session on social media. You can find us on Twitter at therapy for the number four B girls. And you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at therapy for black girls. I'm looking forward to continuing this conversation with you real soon. Take good care.